Our scripture lesson this morning begins in the book of Acts chapter 3, and we'll pick it up starting in verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at around 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate, so that, they could, so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized him as the man who had been laying at the temple gate, who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Would you pray with me? Whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken. And whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, Lord, help us to hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's sermon is entitled, Love Where You Walk. But I should confess from the beginning here that I am not much of a walker. I walk more these days than I have at most points in my life because I've got to get in two trips a day with our dog or else he'll go crazy. But for the most part, if I'm going to go somewhere on my own power, I'd much rather get there by pedal or by paddle. I like to ride my bike and I like to paddle my kayak. And do you know why? It's because when I'm walking, I can't coast. The very best part of riding a bike is that moment when I've built up enough speed to stop pedaling for a moment and just glide along, carried by my own momentum. And that never happens to me when I'm walking. Momentum doesn't really do any work for you when you're on your feet. In fact, the natural direction of your momentum when you walk or you run is downward. I read an article in Runner's World that says the best form for running is actually a controlled fall. Walking and running are about interrupting your momentum over and over again. And every single step you take when you go walking is just another bit of work you have to do. Maybe you felt that way lately. Like, maybe you felt that every single thing in your life is another piece of work. Some of it is good work. Some of it is healthy work. But all of it is work right now. Nobody is coasting along right now. Our routines, they're all messed up. It used to be on the way out the door. I'd grab my keys and my phone and I wouldn't even think about it. Now I have to stop and think, is this somewhere where I need to be wearing a mask? After 12 years of preaching and pastoring, after nine months here at Dolphin Way, I felt like I was finally starting to figure some things out. And then in March, we had to stop all that momentum and learn some entirely new ways of being church. And then we've had to relearn several times along the way. And the learning isn't done. And right now, our communities 
are discovering that we can't coast on the work of previous generations in a host of ways. We can't just skate past some evils of racism, some bonds of community trust that have frayed to the breaking point. We have to stop and listen and do some very intentional work if we're gonna get where we need to be. And this is good work that we have to do. It's a good thing for us as a church to think, how can we as the church go the extra mile to safeguard each other? to safeguard our community from a virus we still don't understand. It's a good thing for us to stop and think, what have I done today to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly as Micah commanded us to? But we have to be careful because we can come to resent this good work. We can treat it as an interruption rather than a calling. You see, momentum is addictive. And if you're like me, you'd rather roll right through most of life, getting better and better and faster and faster at doing what you do best. But too much momentum can make us miss the moment. Hear that again. Too much momentum can make us miss the moment that God intends for us. And so just for today, we are back in the book of Acts as we were for several weeks. And today's reading brings us to a passage that is both challenging and inspiring for someone like me, for someone who'd rather not walk and who'd rather not be interrupted. Because this moment that we read about today, it is one interruption after another. Peter and John get interrupted on their way to go and do church. They are headed to the temple, and you know how hard it is to be in the right frame of mind for worship when somebody is bugging you. But this man begging at the temple gates, he's laid right out at the gate so that they have to break their stride, and he asked them for alms, probably like he did so many other worshipers this day. I expect that this man begging at the gates, I bet he had his spiel down cold. He could ask without even thinking about the words, but Peter and John interrupt him. And they redirect him by saying, do we look like we have any money for you? And then the trajectory of his entire life gets interrupted as this man who had been born without the ability to walk, the man who was lame from his birth suddenly receives new strength in his legs and his feet. And he jumps up and he runs right into the worship service where he interrupts everybody else by, quote, walking and leaping and praising God. Just think, what would have happened if Peter and John had let their momentum carry them past the gates? Imagine if someone had shown up at the temple that day and asked the healed man to keep it down. Can you stop the leaping for a moment? We are trying to connect with God here. It is so easy for our momentum to let us coast right past what God is doing in this moment. And sometimes we miss the moment because of momentum. But before I move on to the hope here, I also want to acknowledge something. I want to mention another reason that we often miss out on God's moment. Sometimes it's not because we are going too fast, but because we aren't going at all. You see, when we coast right past the things that should trouble us, that is denial. Denial is when we say, oh, it's no big deal. Stop your fussing. I can't stop to deal with that right now. But there is an equal and opposite pitfall for us always. The opposite of denial is despair. And despair says, your problem is real and it is so big, 
that there's no point. There's nothing I can't do, that I can do about it. Denial can't be interrupted, but despair can't get going. And if you've been there lately, I want you to know you're not alone. I've been there. I've been there more than a few times in my life. I have been in that place where the problem or the problems in front of me just seem too many or too big. And I've learned from those moments that the person I am in those moments isn't much different from the person I am when I am blowing through life without any interruption, when everything seems to be falling into line. And today, whether it means slowing down or getting going, what I want is for all of us to walk with Peter and John down the middle path between denial and despair. I want us to walk with Peter and with John and see that God has a word for us all. Because God's power is all over this passage that we heard today. And the first place we see it is in Peter and John's willingness to be interrupted. And the second place that we see God's power is in their response to the interruption. Peter looks at the man and says, what I have, I give to you. Now maybe, maybe you don't have the particular power that Peter and John had at that moment. Maybe you don't have the power to give strength to the legs of someone who has never walked before. But that's not really the point, is it? The point is that Peter and John gave what they had. And that's God's call to each of us, to share what we have, to share the time, to share the resources, to share the abilities and powers that we have one step after another on our way to God together. I remember years ago, Jennifer and I were lucky enough that our apartment was right next door to some old friends, the Lingles. And in those early days, we and our friends would often find ourselves looking at mostly empty cupboards as the month drew to a close. And I'll never forget the day that we called our friends, the Lingles, and we said, we've got peanut butter. And they said, we've got bread. And we all said, great, together we've got supper. And I can't help thinking that the years since then have not given me less to share with others. But in those years since then, it has gotten harder to know what my neighbor needs. Don't get me wrong. I am more aware of the needs of the world than I have ever been. Sometimes the global, national, world-changing needs around us are so big that I cannot imagine what I could possibly do about them. I can discover the emotional needs of a thousand friends just by opening up Facebook. I can discover so very many needs that I despair of meeting any of them. Or I can ignore the mass media and social media for days and for weeks at a time. And let me tell you, when I do that, I coast along quite happily in complete denial I saw someone earlier this week say, turn off the media, turn off Facebook and watch all the problems disappear. It's true. They disappear from our view. We can deny them, but it doesn't make them go away. It feels like I'm stuck between the choice of despair at the overwhelming amount of need in the world or denial 
that coasts through life without interruption, but cannot call itself honest. But when I take time to listen in the places where I can walk, when I will allow myself to be interrupted by and to attend to the neighbors who are closest at hand, I often find that God has given me just enough to meet their need for this moment. I can't solve all their needs, nor can they solve all of mine. But if we can only discover each other's needs, we may provide that God will provide enough power for the moment. And of course, God's provision and God's power and our neediness before God, all of that begins with prayer. That's how we discover what God has given. It's how we discover what we need. And we have said that throughout this series, we want to provide you some practical tips for loving where you live. And today, as you learn to love where you walk, I want to offer you one of the simplest steps possible. The step I want you to take couldn't be much simpler. Today, I'm going to ask you to start praying for your neighbors. Specifically, I'm asking you to pray for the house to the left of yours and the house to the right and the houses behind yours, the houses in front of yours. If you go to our Facebook page or our website, you'll, you'll find a grid that you can download or print out. And you can print it out and pray for the, for the eight homes. It might be an apartment on either side in front of and behind you the homes that are nearest to yours. And I want to challenge you to print out that grid and to fill it out and to write the names of your neighbors in the squares that represent their home. And I'm gonna invite you to take that grid and to make it a weekly practice. At least once a week, I'm gonna ask you to walk that grid, to walk around those homes. If you wanna walk farther, you can go further if you want to, but try to walk past at least your eight closest neighbors. And as you want to walk, as you walk, I want you to pray for everyone in those homes. Pray that God will uphold them, that God will increase their faith and hope and their love. Pray that God will give you the opportunity to listen to their needs and maybe even get to the point that you can share your own needs with them. Make that walk once a week throughout this summer. And then give yourself time to be interrupted as you walk along the way and just watch for the holy interruptions that God will bring along the way. And if you don't yet know your neighbor's names, that's your next step. Learn them, figure it out. However you need to go on next door, ask a neighbor who won't tell on you or introduce yourself. Now, don't go knock on their door and say, I have to pray for you. Dolphin Way said so. Give me your name. That won't build trust. It won't do to try and just blow right through this assignment. We have to take it step by step. We have to build trust and listen well. And do not despair. Let me tell you now. You won't be able to meet every need in the world. You won't even be able to meet the needs of the eight homes nearest yours. And that's why I love that moment when Peter and John say, why do you ask us for money? Do we look like we have any money? Because it's not on us to share what God has not given us. Whatever gifts you don't have, God's not asking you to share them. God's not asking you to fix what God has not equipped you to fix. But God has given you some gifts. And God has given other people other gifts. And what God has given is more than enough. 
So may God give us all the eyes to see what is needed and to see what is given. And may God give us the strength to walk in the places that we are given to serve. And may God give us enough faith to trust in him when we are interrupted along the way. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, let us not be so busy doing good things that we cannot be interrupted by you. Teach us not to simply coast through our Christian faith, but to walk it alongside you, step by step, listening all the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.